There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. My name is Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Greg Horbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, which is, yeah, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, which includes which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are bad, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. That is the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all right now. You can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Welcome to the Ringers. Philly special little bonus episode for you this week. Shiel Kapati here with ace producer Cliff Augustine. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little uh, Joel Embiid, Sixers talk at the top, me and Cliff. And then I'm going to get to some of your voicemails, your Eagles voicemails in the second segment of the show. So, you know, if you don't care about the Embiid news, you can fast forward ahead. Maybe we'll put the times uh, in the show notes or just listen to the whole show. But Cliff, I mean, what a what a 12 to 18 hours for us. We met in person for the first time at the Fillmore Thursday night rewatchables. Creed, great job by the Ringer crew. I mean, uh, how does it feel knowing I actually exist? I'm not just some like, uh, you know, AI that you see on uh, Zooms or, or on podcasts for whatever this has been two years. First of all, it was a pleasant surprise. I was uh, reaffirmed that you do, in fact, have money because the first thing you did was offer me a drink the moment <laughs> I walked into the floor after you shook my hand and you were adamant. You were adamant. You said, yo, Cliff, I, no, I'm paying for this. Like, you're not paying for I said, I, Hey. 
Hey, Listen. I said, go ahead, man. Like I, I said, I'm broke. You got it. Like you don't want to hear. <laughs> that's an punch, Indian bro. uncle thing, you know. Yeah, you gotta, that's my guy. Yeah, that's my you guy. gotta go ahead and treat. That's my guy. Raheem popped up on his two, and I, I, and I told him, I said, Raheem is gonna be an hour late. Watch, he's going to be an hour late. He's coming at nine o'clock. I promise. You. <laughs> and like clockwork, Raheem pulled up at uh, at nine o'clock. We saw our boy James Seltzer from a uh, 94 WIP morning show. That's our guy. Uh, shout out to James, man. He was um when he was working at the Fanatic. I was actually that was my first internship when I went to Temple. And he was a, a grad student. Uh, and then I think he had graduated and started working at the Fanatics. So I'd known Seltzer for like 10 years. That's my guy. So shout out to him, man. Um, it was great seeing him, catching up with him, too. Um, yeah, it was great meeting you, too, though, man. It was great meeting the whole crew. Some you know, some people for the first time, a couple of you I met, you know, for like the second or third time. But this is great, you know, being out there. All the ringer people are always great, man. It was fun. It was a good time. And all the Philly people that showed up and showed out, I was like, I was shocked, man, for people to to come out to a pod about a, a old movie that came out 10 years ago and actually talk about it and really be into it too. So that was dope to see. Yeah. They sold the place out. Uh, the Fillmore, Bill Simmons, Sean Fennessy, Van Lathan, and of course, Chris Ryan, I mean, home game for Chris Ryan. I mean, the crowd was just, uh, you know, a bunch of CR heads in there, including us, you know, yeah. giving, uh, giving him some, we sat next to some of his buddies, shout out to uh, bad brother, right yep. in Fairmount. Bad you brother. went to kind of the after yeah. hangout. I'm an old man. I'm like, I got to prep for these pods. You know, I'm just going to, uh, go home, but shout out to the, the fine people at bad brother. I'm going to meet you there, uh, Cliff, one of these nights and we'll, great, we'll, food, uh, great establishment. I popped yeah. over there for a little bit afterwards. Um, Definitely going to slide over there a little bit more. So you can catch me at Bad Brother more in the future. There you go. All right. So great time. Uh, everyone who said hello, everyone who came out. Uh, thanks. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I even wa- I even rewatched Creed earlier in the week to get ready for it because I have like a movie amnesia where I watch a movie and then someone references it two weeks later and I can't even remember uh, what happened. So well, what can I tell you? It, it was good to uh, to watch that and relive it. All right. Let's get to the the news here. Okay, the news is not good. Cliff actually broke this news to me. Uh, Yesterday, I had a big writing assignment, and I said, I'm staying off of all social media. I need to just focus on this because I need to get like 4,000 words in before I head off to the Fillmore. So I didn't see anything. Then Cliff sits down uh, next to me and informs me that Joel Embiid meniscus injury. So Cliff, he returns to the lineup Tuesday night against the Warriors, does not look like himself at all, has the right knee soreness. And then about four minutes left, Jonathan Kaminga lands on his left knee. And uh, and Embiid leaves the game. You don't know what it is. Since then, we find out it's a meniscus injury. We still don't know for sure. Is it it torn? Is it not torn? Surgery? Rest? So there's a lot of uncertainty around this. All I think we can say pretty definitively is we're not going to see Embiid like anytime very soon. It's possible we see him later in the season. It's possible we don't see him uh, later in the season. So what is your sort of gut reaction when you see this, when you hear the news, and now we look at what's ahead for the Sixers the rest of the way? All right, so first of all, let's take this back to the Pacers game, right? So go back to the Pacers game. I think it was last Thursday. They're in Indiana. uh, and B collides knees with one of the Pacers players. I forget who it was, but it was clear, clear that he was injured. Um, coming out of that game. Like, he was he was in that game. He played – I'm pretty sure he played the entirety of that game. He was hurt. It was visible. Everybody knew he was hurt during that game. There's a Saturday game, right? It's Jokic. It's Embiid. It's, everybody wants to see this. This is – you know, Jokic wants his lick back. You know, Embiid, he came to Philly. Embiid puts up 40. Sixers get the dub. It's a nice victory for the Sixers. It looks great. 
everybody's like, Embiid MVP again. He's better than Jokic. Da, da. That's all the chatter. All the chatter is going crazy. They get to Denver. Embiid is clearly hurt in the Pacers game. Everybody knew it. He's not on the injury report. So you can blame the Sixers for that one because he should have been on the injury report from the jump, right? They got fined $75,000 for that, by the way. As they should have gotten fined because yeah. clearly the man was hurt. He goes to warm up. Mike Malone even said, he said, yo, our Denver staff was looking at him during warmups and he didn't look 100%. Said he didn't look right. Clearly didn't look right. He didn't look right in the game prior two nights before that. So he warms up. And then he's a late scratch. Tobias Harris is out. Tyrese Maxey's out. This is a Saturday ABC primetime game. This is what the NBA is trying to do. They're trying to kill, you know, people doing load management or, you know, quote unquote injuries or whatever pops up before um, big primetime games because they want the stars to play. These are clearly the two biggest stars in the NBA. Jokic is Embiid. These are the two guys that have been going back and forth for MVP for the last couple of years. He's a he's a scratch 10 minutes before the game without being on the injury report. So why was he not on the injury report from the start if he was hurt two nights prior and y'all saw it, it, he was hurt and he couldn't even jump in the warmups. So everybody knew he was hurt, right? All right. He doesn't play that game. The internet goes crazy. Everybody's like, Embiid's ducking Jokic. Embiid's going, uh, what's the chatter? Embiid, the media's, it's the media's fault. You know, Embiid's not playing. You know, he should have played in the game. Clearly Embiid is listening to this. Like, it, it, it's clear that he, he takes to this because – they said he's scared of Jokic or he's scared to play in Denver because he hasn't played there since 2019, even though there's multiple reasons as to why he hasn't played there in 2019. So the Sixers play Portland two nights later. He doesn't play. OK, he's clearly hurt because he doesn't play in that game. Oh, but wait, they have to play the Warriors a couple nights later. And that's uh, a TNT game. Lo and behold, he suits up. Oh, but Shil, guess what? It's the 65-game threshold, right? He has to get that 20 minutes to play, uh, 20 minutes of whatever game it is to reach that 65-game threshold, right? This man starts. He clearly doesn't look himself at all. They're putting him in an every action. The Warriors are trying to pick and roll him to death to make him move all around the court. He clearly is hobbled. He doesn't look right. He, I think he ended up with 13 points in the game. He actually left the game somewhere in the second quarter, got hurt came back in the fourth quarter and Jonathan Kaminga lands on him and this sets off another injury. And it's crazy to me because I'm like, yo, why is he even in the game? He couldn't even move. What was the point of this? Now there's a whole entire different injury on top of whatever happened before that with a meniscus tear that could probably sit him out for a good month, month and a half. I don't know how long the recovery time is on a meniscus tear, but it's pretty long and it's not good. So we get... Draymond Green on his podcast talking about the 65 game threshold and how it's it's upsetting that a player might not get his MVP award, blah, 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 because he hasn't met the 65 game threshold. And he feels like the media forced Joel Embiid to play in that game, which is utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. This man said after the Rockets game on MLK Day, he said, yo, I don't care about, you know, no season awards, no MVP, none of that, because I want to be healthy for my team in the playoffs. Dog, you just lied to everybody. You went out there knowing that you were hurt so you can meet the threshold to win MVP, an award we no longer care about. The MVP no longer matters to us Philadelphians anymore. We need Me to and see you it. at least. Yeah, at I don't least know about me everybody. You. Me and you. Yeah, At least me and you because it's like, dog, get out the second round. I don't care about this MVP award no more. Last year, y'all made that discussion nasty. It became things that it didn't have to be. 
I ended up not even really caring because I was like, dog, this is dumb. Get out the second round of the playoffs. That's what I care about. Your MVP award means nothing to me anymore. So clearly, that tells me, yo, he was trying to meet the threshold because he only has about five games left until all those season awards are out the window. Like, this is selfish. And on top of that, if you're the Sixers, how are you going to let him go out there knowing for the last six, seven years he's had this injury history? Like, the men set out full seasons before he could even play for the Sixers. And in his rookie year, he played like 30 games because he was hurt. The injury history is, the list is long. This man has missed playoff games because of injury history. And y'all let him go out there to play a warrior, a shitty Warriors team so he can meet the threshold, score whatever his 30 points was, and hopefully win some postseason awards? Who cares about it? Like, this is malpractice on the Sixers and on um, Joel Embiid for trying to go out there and get that award. And on top of that, this is something about the players too, right? If I'm Draymond Green, I'm blaming Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, dudes like that, Kyrie Irving, whoever, people that just love to sit out, low manage or whatever, for that 65-game threshold. And on top of that, it's not like the NBA mandated that. This is collectively bargained. Draymond right. Green used to be on the NBA uh, MBPA. Dog, you know this. Y'all agreed to this. This is in y'all collective <laughs> CBA. This is in y'all CBA. Y'all agreed to this. So how are you mad at it now when y'all agreed to it? No, like this, yeah. I mean, this was uh, one of your shining moments, Cliff. There, you had a lot to say. Uh, the rant was uh, fantastic. Now, I do think we had our first, uh, our first curse word of the Ringers Philly special. So, apologies uh, to the young kids out there. You know, we we do keep it clean. So, Cliff got a little fired up. That's okay. He can decide whether to uh, uh, believe it out or not. A couple things to respond to that. All right. So, one is. Yeah, and Beach should not have been playing uh, in that game. I mean, we we you could see it from start to finish. There was no point in him being out there. He was obviously injured, and and I'm with you. If the goal is keep this guy healthy, get him as healthy as possible for the postseason when he's averaging 35 points per game, then why are you bringing him back in that game? So that is question number one. Now, the 65 game, like, like you said, like everybody's complaining about it. It's like, you agree, everybody, you agreed to this. So what am I, like, I don't have a say. McCliff and I don't get to decide whether this is a rule or not. You guys collectively bargained this and decided it. Now, I don't know, okay, with MB, we can't get inside of his head. I don't believe him when he says he doesn't care about MVP and awards and all that. So if you, if you're listening and you say, no, no, I believe him. That's fine. I don't believe him. I I believe that he would want to get to that 65 game threshold where he would have a chance and probably be the favorite to win the MVP. We know that's not going to happen now. Is that why he played? I don't know. There could be other reasons too. One is you just like professional athletes. Generally, when they're feeling good, they want to play. They're competitive. He's going up again. It's the Warriors. It's national TV. He wants to play. I think Embiid's a competitive guy. That's part of it uh, as well. And the team has sucked for the most part without Joel Embiid. So it's like, you know, you you if I were in Joel Embiid's camp, I could easily frame it as, hey, he's being unselfish here. He's trying to help his team because the team stinks without him and he thinks he can play. So there's a lot that goes into that. Now, I will say this. The actual injury that is keeping him out now, the meniscus, that's a freak thing that really could have happened in any game he came back in. Like that wasn't, uh, yeah, I agree with you. He shouldn't have been playing in that game, but that could have happened uh, at any point. So the whole thing is just so Sixersy, Cliff. I mean, I'm so, ex- I'm honestly, I'm so exhausted by this era of Sixers basketball. It's just like every year there's something. And again, it's not, it's not his fault for getting injured. Like he was on the ground. It happens 
And, yeah. and um, Bill noted uh, last night during the rewatchables pod, he was like, "Yeah, that Kaminga didn't need enough shit for that." Now, and to me, I was like, "You, you are kind of right. He did definitely make a crazy weird dive for the ball and somehow magically landed directly on the guy's leg." But yeah, that's not there. Yeah, yet. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a little, but it's like who who knows in kind of yeah. the heat of the moment. So now we're at this spot here. Where, you know, there was the initial report that the meniscus was torn. Uh, but I think since then it's been like, no, we're not sure uh, if it is torn or not. So we just don't know. We don't know. Is he going to sit for a month? Is he going to sit for six weeks and then come back and try to uh, play with it? Is it torn? Is he going to have surgery? All these things are in play. But if you had any hopes that this team was going to make a run, I mean, it's just hard to get to a best case scenario where that happens now. If he comes back, what does he look like? What does the team look like? I mean, this is a guy with like one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. This guy is averaging 35 points per game. Like if he's at 70%, you really have no chance. So uh, we just sit and wait. And we see Maxi had 51 on Thursday against the Utah Jazz. I'm not saying you don't watch. Like Maxi's a likable player, a watchable player. Um, there are reasons to watch. I didn't even. I, I wasn't even getting my hopes up that they were going to get out of the second round. I was just trying to take it week by week, uh, day by day. But it's still just a huge bummer. Nonetheless, it's like every year there is something with this team. I mean, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons and James Harden and Jimmy Butler and injuries and Doc Rivers, and, uh, the GM. Kawhi like, Leonard. It, yeah, Kawhi like, Leonard, Jerry. Like, it's just how many, like every year, like it just never leads to any type of sort of happiness or satisfaction. Even when you have a player who will go down, you know, statistically and for whatever, whatever it's worth as like one of the best players in your franchise history, when all is said yeah. and done, potentially, uh, it still has not led to anything. So, uh, it's a huge bummer. There's no doubt about it. They're currently fifth in the East at 30, 17, 30 and 17. And there's a wide range of outcomes, Cliff. I mean, could they drop? Could they play so poorly that they're I, like the play in? I don't yeah. know. It's funny when you look at the standings, they're only a game and a half back from second place from the Bucks. Yeah, they the could East go that so way loaded. too. Yeah, right. the East is so loaded. Like you look at the Knicks, you look at the Cavs, they're streaking right now. And the Sixers are, um, I believe they're like four games ahead of the Pacers as we speak right now on Friday. So they do have a nice little comfortable lead. And that's the more reason why I'm like, why are you sitting or why are you playing in this game when you're not that far off from second place? So you can kind of, you know, relax, chill. Get your body right. Don't even play any games on that West Coast swing. Like, you shouldn't have played in the Jazz game, obviously, you know, after injury anyway. But what I'm saying is, is like, you could have just coasted this whole entire West Coast trip because you were hurt and not playing any of those games and would have had like a good week and a half yeah. rest. So what was the point of even trying to go out there and play the Warriors for what? Y'all yeah. are literally only like a game and a half, two games back. It's the slums. It's the middle of the season. It's pre-All-Star break. You can chill for a little bit make a little run after the All-Star break because that's when teams really turn it up because it's kind of like, you know, two-thirds of the season is at that point. Trade deadline is coming up next week. To me, it just this is just malpractice on all things Sixers, from medical staff to front office to Embiid himself. Just everybody just letting this man get on the floor is crazy to me, yo. Like, the history behind this. Like I said, chill, this man has missed important games for us. Why is he out on the court versus a 19 and 24 Warriors when you really don't need the wins on this trip in the first place anyway? Y'all just need to get back home and get healthy and see what happens at the deadline. Like, it's mind boggling that they just let this happen and the fans suffer because of it. Like, we want to see him beat out on the court, you know, healthy 
in big Adam games. Nolan. He's amazing. Well, he's yeah. he's arguably the best sixer we'll ever see in our lifetime. And yet we're letting him do stupid things like this for postseason awards and accolades that we no longer care about. You know, again, me and you don't yeah, care. Yeah, I need about. to stress that because I, I don't like I know other people probably cared about it. I am so with you on this. We talked about it off mic. Like, do not care one percent whether Joel Embiid ever wins another freaking MVP. Like, honestly, how unless could you finals. possibly care about that? Unless it's the finals. Like last year, if you were still into it, that's fine. You felt like, all right, it's three years. He hasn't gotten one. You want he got one that's in his pocket. Who cares? Honestly, how could you possibly? care about that, whether he wins MVP or not. I don't understand how that impacts your life as a fan or brings joy to you as a fan. Like when he's playing, he's been excellent this year. Who cares if he gets the award or not? You want to see, you you want to shut down all the arguments about this guy hasn't gotten out of the second round. He's stunk in the play. Like that's all that matters with his legacy going forward. It doesn't mean you don't watch the regular season and appreciate it. Obviously you do that on a nightly basis. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago when he dropped 70 points, but that's not like, that's not what it's about, at least for, for us uh, as fans. I know some people probably feel Different. And when right. healthy, and when healthy, the Sixers can compete in the East. Like we see the Bucks night in the and night out. Record was incredible. Yeah, yeah. we see the Bucks the night in and night out. Literally struggle on defense. Like you can easily compete with a team like the Bucks. I'll say this: the Celtics are you know far and beyond better than anybody in the East when you watch them. They're just too balanced. They're great on offense and defense. They got stars. We clearly haven't matched up with the Celtics since they drafted Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum. It, they've just they've just killed us year after year after year. And broken our hearts year after year after year. I get it. The Celtics are great, but the Bucks are gettable. The Knicks are gettable. The Cavs are get like this. East we could the, the Sixers theoretically could end up in second place in the East and somehow actually make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if they beat a formidable opponent like the Knicks, like the Cavs, who I do like them against if they were healthy. Now, I mean, we're gonna have to go through the rest of the regular season and probably the playoffs with a guy that has a messed up meniscus. We don't even know to what extent it is right now right. because there hasn't been any reports. I mean, I'm assuming he's probably going to be out until March. Like I know meniscus tear, like I'm not a doctor, but I know meniscus tears take, you know, a good four to six weeks to recover right. from. So it's like, that's the baseline. Yeah. If you go just by history, like that's what you would um, expect. Um, you know, we, we don't know for sure. And again, it wasn't the like, him playing, he did not like aggravate the injury that he was playing with. It was a different injury. So uh, to be clear about that, but yeah, it is just very, very frustrating. So we'll see what happens with the Sixers here going forward. All right. Thank you, Cliff. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We will get to some of your voicemails on the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year at the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski went wide left on FanDuel's kick of destiny. Now, He's back for Kick of Destiny 2. And this time you can play along. All you have to do is choose if Gronk will make or miss. I'm going to say miss. Get your free pick in right now because if you're right, you'll win a share of $10 million in bonus bets. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Everyone can get in on the action when Gronk takes his shot at redemption before Super Bowl 58. Whether your team make or team miss, just head to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get your pick in. It's absolutely free. Then tune in before the game to see Gronk's kick live. Just visit FanDuel.com 
dot com slash ringer philly to sign up you'll win a share of 10 million dollars in bonus bets if you're right make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit the ringer.com slash rg no purchase necessary 10 million dollar prize pool to be split equally among all eligible participants who made the correct pick Prize issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. So, uh, uh, Cliff, I don't know if it, when you have a chance, send me that uh, that phone number once again. For, I got it. You got 215 it. 215-315-7982. Okay. Again, there you go. 215-315-7982. There you go. So keep those uh, voicemails coming. We'll get to some of them with Solak next week. We'll both be at the Super Bowl. Maybe have some guests on. Uh, certainly some of these we want Solak's uh, opinion on for sure, but I'll get to some of them for now. I don't want to leave you hanging if you left uh, a voicemail. So, all right, Cliff, hit me with the first one. What do we got? Hey, Shield Ben and Cliff, big fan. Uh, <laughs> say my name. My name's Sean from Amble, Pennsylvania, beautiful Montgomery County. Big fan of the show. Um, wanted to leave a voicemail to get your thoughts on uh, these recent reports about Jalen Hurts and his leadership style. Um, there have been little kind of breadcrumb stories throughout the Eagles' collapse that uh, his sort of stoic nature, not exactly working for what the team needed. Um, do you buy into this thing that he changed after signing the contract? Uh, does his leadership style work, or should he be different? I was watching the games this weekend, and Pat Mahomes rallying the guys on the sideline looked very different from Jalen sitting um, just at, you know, sitting on his own on, on the on the bench, uh, waiting for the offense to go back out there. Uh, do you think he's going to turn around? Do you think he needs to turn something around? And when do you think the Eagles are going to bounce back? Because things are bad. All right. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, this has been like a, an ongoing question. I mean, my big thing is 
be authentic. Like if that's not, if you're are all of a sudden being rah-rah and doing, and not to say, I mean, Jalen Hurts was breaking down the team at times uh, last season, but if you start acting differently because you feel like that's how you're supposed to act, everyone can see it and you look like a phony. So again, during the Super Bowl season where Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP caliber quarterback, we're saying, no, no you know, nothing rattles this guy. And, uh, you know, he, he's even keeled and that's what you need, especially because your coach is a little more uh, volatile. And now that things go poorly, we view it as something different. Now, I will say some of that reporting, you know, Jeff McClain had some stuff from the Inquirer. It's not like just, you know, random people Looking at it, it's, you know, people within the organization saying maybe this is a bit of an issue or, or, you know, you would like a little more from him. I'll also say if you are the leader and you're making that much money, like it is your job to kind of rally everyone when things go poorly and to, you know, stop the bleeding when the team's completely falling apart uh, in the second half of the season. So, like, I think it's fair to knock him for not being able to do that. But in terms of the way he does it, uh, I don't really care. You got to find some way where you can connect with your teammates, be a leader, try to you know set the tone for everybody uh, in the locker room when you're making that much money, when you are the quarterback uh, of the team. So uh, I'm not saying it's nothing. Like, I understand if you're listening and you're like, no, he looked miserable. Like, I think a lot of it, honestly, but it, like, I don't know that he trusted the coaching this year. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, you go back to that Seattle game, they're changing a play in a critical moment uh, of that game. There are other, he's got to be looking at it saying, they're not giving me the answers I need. Again, that's what professional athletes want from their coaches. They want someone, uh, they want people who can help them get better, who can give them answers so that they can maximize their potential and so that the team can win. And that wasn't happening last year. So now we'll get a chance here this upcoming season with Kellen Moore. We'll see what he looks like. I don't think he's going to change who his who he is, uh, what his personality is, how he acts on the sideline. And I don't think that's a big deal as long as the the play, the performance is good, which takes us to our next voicemail here, Cliff, because I think this one's more on Jalen Hurts, uh, the player. This is Al. Al checking in from Jersey. Hey, this is Al from County, New Jersey. Just wanted to pick your brain on Jalen Hurts. There's been a lot about his attitude and leadership. I want to know what you guys think about the player right now. Yes, we saw some aggression, but I think it's, I think it's pretty crazy to think that he's going to be 2022 Jalen Hurts the very next season. It's so difficult to keep that play up unless you're one of the all-time greats like Brady, Manning, Breeze, Rodgers. So I just want to know where you think he ranks in the NFL as purely quarterback on the field. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. Yeah, it's uh it's a good question. It does kind of get lost in all like the the body language and uh all, all that type of stuff. I mean, I was I just went through this quickly before the pod. I would probably have him in like the 8 to 11 range. Uh right now, you know, I think there are some players who kind of passed him this year. Like if you asked me right now would I trade, you know, Jalen Hurts for CJ Stroud straight up? This will make people mad. I would say yes that I would. Damn, I'm you sorry. would do that? I would do that. I would trade Jalen Hurts for CJ Stroud. First of all, uh, I just thought CJ Stroud was awesome uh, as a rookie. And I know rookie seasons don't uh, tell everything, but you're getting him on a rookie contract as well versus paying Jalen Hurts uh, $50 million per year. And like Stroud, yeah, I mean, if you, if you watched Stroud every week, last year he is a dog yeah i do yeah i mean he 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 is uh he is an incredible player or at least he looked like an incredible player 
last season. So maybe that's dumb. Maybe a year from now, you'll, you call me out and say, Sheila, I can't believe you said you would do that, but uh, I would do that. So statistically, it really went downhill, this, this Eagles passing game in the second half of the season down the stretch there. Jalen Hurts finished uh, 16th, I believe, uh, or 20th in dropback success rate, 16th in EPA per pass play. Like that is not good. That's with good weapons and a good offensive line. However, and I know you're probably screaming at your phones, your cars, whatever. The coaching staff did not have answers for him. There's no doubt about it. I, I do believe that the coaching staff let him down in a big way. And that's a big question going into the 2024 season. Okay, now they've got Kellen Moore in here. Do they give him the answers? And not, not all the answers. Obviously, quarterbacks have to figure it out. Do they put him in better positions to succeed? And if so, what does Hurts look like? So um, on film, I feel pretty strongly that the coaching staff failed him, but it's also fair to say that Hertz's play regressed. He didn't play as well. They had issues versus the blitz. They had issues with decision-making. He left plays on the field. There's no doubt uh, about it. I mean, that that is all evident when you look at the film from this last year. So um, I think the tools are still there. The one thing is he was still very accurate. I thought for the most part, like you didn't watch on film, like, oh, he, Hertz is missing uh, a lot of throws here. And I think he's capable of doing more mentally in terms of progressions and and then then they allowed him to do or then they asked him to do last year. I think that's going to be different this year with with a new coach designing and calling the offense. So uh, it's a it's a big year for him. There's no doubt about it. I feel like he can bounce back. I mean, I said eight to eleven. That's not like bad. You know that that's kind of in the mid. Those guys from eight to eleven really fluctuate between like three to seven and eight to eleven every year. You know, you're always going to have Mahomes uh, at the top and probably Josh Allen and now you know Lamar is up there and if Burrow's healthy. Um, after that, the next tier is really going to fluctuate. Yeah. Uh oh, you're going to nail me down a little bit. Two okay. people, two two players, two players. All right. Dak Prescott, her cousins. Is Jalen uh, Hurts over both of them? Uh not over Dak Prescott. Dak Damn, Prescott. Dak? Dak. Dak played better than him this year. Uh, he did. I no, mean, no, he definitely did. But like, are you say, you're saying what going for now? If it if it's a trade thing, then it gets tricky because Dak Prescott's a free agent and he's about to make sixty. Season. Yeah, I mean, if you said, yeah, I, I think Dak Prescott in this offense with. But I mean, Dak Prescott has sucked in the playoffs. That's fair. I mean, the guy's played seven years and hasn't gotten uh, out of the second round of the playoffs. He didn't play well in the playoffs. So it's tough for me to say like who I would think would give them the better chance to win in 2024. I mean, that's a really hard question. Uh, to I, I think in that case, I would go with Hertz. If you ask me who played better in 2023, I would say Prescott. If you're asking me who would give them a better chance to win a Super Bowl in 2024, I think I would go with Hertz. That's hedging. But I think that's how I feel. Cousins, I'm a no. No, Hurts is better than Cousins. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Let me go one more. Jordan Love. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me talk too much about Jordan Love. You're trying to get me I'm, in trouble. I'm, I'm, in, I'm firmly in the Jordan Love camp, by the way. Yeah. But I, uh, I don't think I'm taking him over Hurts, though. I like Jordan Love, though. I'm kind of in the Jordan Love is my guy. Damn. Right now. Oh, I, my I goodness. I would. I would take, I would take Jordan Love uh, over Jalen Hurts both in terms of would you trade him straight up and would you want him in 2024? I think That's love is nuts. That's I think nuts. love has, I mean, Hertz has a high ceiling. Uh, I was really, really impressed with Jordan love. And you look at who he was throwing to last year compared to who Hertz had. Now, again, the coaching, 
Uh, Jordan Love had better stuff schemed open. Guys were wide open at times in that offense, but he also made some very high, high degree of difficulty throws. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. Um, he, he just really impressed me last year. Again, if you're yelling at me, that's okay. This, these are going to look stupid. This time next year, you're going to be saying, Sheila, you were the moron who said X, Y, and Z. I understand that. And that's part of the content game. You know, that's part of the podcast game. You come out, you say what you think, and then you look stupid for it a year later. That happens. But with me, I'm giving you at least my honest opinion, and that's how I see it right now. All right. Before you know, you, you're talking me, like that because they sent you them cheeses, but I'll, I'll let it slide for today. <laughs> This Solak sent me those cheese heads. All right. Uh, before Cliff gets me into any more trouble, let's go to Mark in Atlanta with the voicemail. I shield Ben and Cliff. This is Mark in Atlanta. I'm a loyal listener. Huge fan of the pod. First voicemail I left was a bit all over the place, so I figured I'd take a second crack and try to focus on a single topic, typically Jalen Hurts. I'm a Jalen Hurts believer. He wasn't flawless this past season, but I think there were obvious structural issues with the offense, and he's shown that he could play at an MVP level for sustained stretches. My question is around quarterback development. I don't think it should be expected to be linear, and I look at a guy like Lamar as a great example of that. He was phenomenal in 2019. Subsequent years were less productive. However, his continued growth as a quarterback, paired with an offensive scheme change, has vaulted him back to an MVP level and maybe the second player taken after Mahomes in a theoretical QB draft. I think a similar trajectory is possible with Hurts, assuming the Eagles can find their version of Todd Munkin. But I'd be curious to get your take on that parallel and how you generally view Jalen's developmental arc. What areas of his game need improvement, in your opinion, and how would you suggest that be accomplished? He's still only 25. He's shown an elite ceiling with a lot of prime years left and seemingly an awesome work ethic. So I've got a ton of faith in him, but curious to get your take on all this. Thanks for all you do. Go Birds. I mean, first of all, I love that he took the second crack at it, Cliff. I mean, he wasn't happy with the first voicemail he sent. You could tell that one. He had it organized. I don't know if he had it written down exactly, but he knew what he wanted to get to. I mean, this is this is like in life, you know? You take another crack at it. You don't quit. You're not happy with with it. You improve. What's that? Quick quick backstory with Mark. He actually messaged me. He's like, yo, yo, Cliff, man, I sent two voicemails in. The first one was all over the place. Can you please just play the second one for me? Like, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I live in Atlanta, so you guys keep the Philly spirit for me going. So I appreciate you guys a lot. So, yeah, Fantastic. shout out to Mark, man. Shout out to Mark. Call voicemail uh, of the show. Other ones were great too, but listen, I like, I like, that's somebody you know is putting in that extra effort. I also think he made a great point, honestly, with the Lamar Jackson uh, comparison because with Lamar Jackson, everyone, you know, he won the MVP. And a couple down years, he's injured, misses 10 games in two seasons. But everyone looked at that offense with Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator and said, what are they doing here? This is outdated. They're like, they, no, this is not what a, what a passing game in the year 2022 in the NFL should look like. They need more. They're hamstringing Lamar Jackson. Now, a lot of times everybody gets on that, gets on board with something that with a take like that. And it ends up being like, no, okay, you all were wrong. It was kind of like, you know, hive mind or groupthink or whatever you want to say. However, you look at this season for the Ravens, and that's exactly what it looked like. That with Todd Munkin, before the playoffs, by the way, that playoff game was horrible uh, against the Chiefs. But we we like big samples here on the Ringers Philly special. It looked like a more modern passing game. Lamar Jackson had more answers within the structure of the offense. You even look at their divisional round game against the Texans. He's getting blitzed over and over again. They come up with answers at halftime. Second half, he plays really well. So um, 
I think that parallel is a pretty good one. Now, the big difference is Lamar Jackson did not have the supporting cast that Jalen Hurts has. So that that is different. They needed to kind of fix it in two areas. For the Eagles, I think it's mostly just the coaching, the design, the play calling of the offense. But I think it's a good point because you look at the other young quarterbacks around the league, like Trevor Lawrence like did not have a great year last season. I mean, that offense regressed. They didn't make the playoffs. Justin Herbert, they're 30 and 32 with no playoff wins with Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow has had two season ending injuries in four seasons. So it's like, it's just like stuff happens where it's not just, Oh, you're on the, you're, you're, you're on the incline. And this year is going to be better than last year. And next year is going to be better than this year. And two years from now is going to be better. Like, that's not how it works. You you go up a little, you come down a little. You fix that, you go up a little more. Hopefully, uh, you come and and eventually you figure it out. Usually it doesn't happen until quarterbacks are, you know, in their, what, late 20s um, until they're kind of reaching that consistent level of play. So I think it's a good point that he is young. Now, uh, I will say that's why this next year is big, because he's got a coordinator who coordinated two top five offenses with Dak Prescott uh, and the Cowboys. And this Eagles offense is more talented than those Cowboys offenses. So if Jalen Hurts stays healthy, and this is not like a whatever, top five, top eight offense next year, and specifically if the passing game is not much better, both statistically and what we saw on film, then the heat is going to get dialed up on Jalen Hurts a little bit more, where it's going to be like, hey, they changed the coach, you know, they changed the coach. You've got the receivers, the offensive line's still pretty good. Like, what's going on here? Why isn't this working? So um, I think there's a strong case that Hurts is going to play well in uh in 2024 with Kellen Moore with the pieces around him. But there is uh, you know, there certainly is a lot on the line there. All right. Last one I think we're getting to here, Cliff. This is Daniel from Westchester, switching it up, getting away from Jalen Hurts a little bit. He's got a question on Devontae Smith, I believe. Hey, Shield, Ben, and Cliff. This is Daniel, loyal listener, lifelong Birds fan, family from Westchester, PA. My question is about the upcoming Devontae Smith contract. Uh, Around mid-season, A.J. Brown was getting all the targets. Devontae Smith, there was talk about how to keep both superstar receivers happy. And the comp I keep going back to is Tyler Lockett and T.K. Metcalf. And Shield, having covered the Seahawks for so long, when you have two outstanding receivers in those sort of body sizes that both demand high target share and high amounts of money, how did the Seahawks go about keeping those two star receivers happy? Thank you guys. Love the pod and I appreciate you taking my question. All right. Thank you, Daniel. So the Seahawks, they signed Tyler Lockett early to an extension that ended up, I think, being kind of like an under contra, uh, you know, under market deal. So they got him with a little bit of a deal. And then DK Metcalf, it got a little dicey there. And then eventually they, you know, paid him near the top of the market. So let me say this, and I've said this before on Devontae Smith, okay? Howie Roseman is not in the business of drafting excellent football players at premium positions and then letting them walk in the primes of their career. Like, I'll I'll put something on the line here. You know, you, you could tell me what I need to put on the line, but it's not going to happen. They are not going to be like, we can't sign Devontae Smith because we already have 
AJ Brown. I mean, I, I'm sorry. That's just not how the franchise operates. That's stupid. That's what bad teams do. They let it get to that point. It's not going to happen with Devontae Smith. He's under contract uh, through the 2024 season. And then they have the fifth year option here. Okay. So Smith is 12th uh, among wide receivers in yards over the past two seasons. He's missed just one game in three seasons. Remember all the talk about, oh, is he, is he too slight? Can he uh, hold up in the NFL? He's been great from that perspective. He's been durable. He seems to be a great locker room culture guy who really cares about winning. Uh, Smith will be just 26 next season. Like these are the types of players you extend and you keep as core members of your football team. So uh, numbers-wise, I was looking at it a little bit. Terry McLaurin got $23.2 million from Washington. I think you're probably going north of that. I would say you're looking at between $24 and $27 million per year for Devontae Smith. Now, the longer you wait, the more expensive it gets because the cap's going to go up and other wide receivers are going to sign contracts. So uh, I would expect the Eagles to be relatively aggressive here and try to get Devontae Smith locked up to a long-term contract. Cliff, did you see that FanDuel clip where Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown got interviewed and Kay Adams asked A.J. Brown about like, Trade rumors, where I don't think there's actually been trade rumors, but I there think it was just like a d- WIP topic about like, hey, <laughs> would you trade AJ Brown for Patrick Sertan? But then they asked AJ Brown about it, and he was like, "It's a business." <laughs> you know, he, he certainly wasn't like, "No, I'm not getting traded. Everything's good." You know, I've been given assurances, and I don't want to go anywhere. Now that could just be, you know, sort of normal wide receiver. Type, yeah. you know, they're, he just stirred up the pot. Emotional yeah. people, yeah. yeah. He stirred up the pot. He knows he's staying here. He knows he likes it here. I think the fan base is, um, especially you know the Eagles fan base. We are super passionate. We're super into you know loving the birds and and how crazy everybody knows we bleed green. Um, the AJ Brown trade rumors. They said he had you know a little rift with Jalen Hurst this season. I don't believe that. I'm pretty sure they're. I literally think they're like best friends. I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts is AJ Brown's daughter's godfather or something like that. Like, they're super tight to me. I don't think their relationship is fractured. I don't think his relationship is fractured with Sirianni when he took his back uh, and said, like, yo, like, we're the ones who kind of went off script and did what we wanted to do. I think A.J. Brown wants to be here, but I think he's kind of playing it like, oh, well, if y'all want me out of here, well, I'm not going to beg and plead to stay. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I got options. I think that's right. Yeah, he's like, I got options. Wants to be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I'm the big dog here. Like y'all, y'all need me more than I need y'all. I can go anywhere and put up, you know, 1500 and get my 100 catches and score my 12 touchdowns every season wherever I go. I'm, I'm good. Like y'all need me, and he's, he's absolutely right. (laughs) The Eagles do need him. Like we need AJ Brown on this team, on this offense. He's dynamic. He's a great playmaker. Best receiver we've had since, give me a name, since Terrell Owens. Thank you. All right. So he's the best since yeah. Hall of Famer, top five wide receiver T.O. So we need him more than he needs us. There's that. There you go. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, listen, it, it did count. I was like, wait, whoa, this is a weird way to answer a question. But then I reminded myself that wide receivers are different uh, than me, me and Cliff. You know, they might be, as as the kids say, might be in his feelings a little bit, a little uh, bit. After, the, after the way last season. And all right, Cliff, you wanted to end the show with the question Bill Simmons posed to the crowd at the Fillmore last night and the reaction. So why don't you take the people through that? <laughs> 
So last night, uh, Bill, he had the crowd going. He, he dropped a couple little, you know, Bill's a Philly hater, low key. He kind of he wants to dog our teams a little bit since we got a little history between Boston and Philly. So he kind of riled the crowd up. Uh, he said he gave a shot to Embiid about some something about the Sixers. And then he followed up. He's like, well, who's the team in town right now? Like, who, who are you guys really rooting for right now? And he's like, is it the Eagles? This is the and I was like surprised by like how close that debate actually was. I'm like, who in their right mind would ever put the Phillies ahead of the Eagles? The Eagles matter more than people's families here in Philadelphia. Like <laughs> people care about the Eagles more than anything. They could be two in whatever, you know, two and fifteen, and they'll matter more than a Phillies team that is about to go to the playoffs and do whatever they got to do. Like the Phillies run really is like an all summer long thing where you can go to the stadium every day. Have fun, you know. Get yeah, get your. I'm so excited for that. Now you, yeah. you're just painting the picture. Summertime and yeah, London on every night. Going to London, yeah. you know, yeah. hop, jumping in Heathrow, June eighth, June 9th. Head <laughs> <laughs> out to see the Phillies in London. Um, but no, in all seriousness, like they, they make the summers fun now because of how cool the team is. Everybody loves the guys. Everybody loves them. You know, some Bryce Harper, Bryson Stott, um, Alec Bohm, you know, JT Wheeler, Nola, all the you know, all the guys that we all love here in Philly. And I, but I was still just thrown back by like how many people actually said the Phillies are more important than the Eagles. I'm like, there's no way in hell the majority of Philadelphia feels that way as sports. Like the crowd made that closer than you know than what it had to be, and I was just shocked by that. Like I was kind of blown back by that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so much of it is just kind of yeah. So the question was like, who's number one in the city right now? Basically, I mean, so much of it is just like, where are you, we with these teams right now? I mean, the, the Eagles just literally had like one of the biggest collapses in franchise <laughs> history. Like, imagine if you asked that question at this time last year. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't even be yeah. uh, close. I, I think, yeah, in general, you're right. I mean, Eagles are one. Eagles are always going to be number one. Eagles are performance proof, if that makes sense. Like you said, yeah. if they're two and 15, it's not like they're irrelevant. It's like fire everybody. And who are you <laughs> drafting? You know, like they're still, we would still be leading the shows with those types of questions. So, um, yeah, unless they're, and they've never, they haven't had a lot of these stretches where they've been like seven, you know, they haven't had those Jeff Fisher stretches of seven and nine yep. for three seasons where you're irrelevant. Those just haven't, you know, really happened. I'm trying to think in my lifetime, they really, yep. uh, have, have not happened. And so, yeah, I think Eagles are one. Um, and then the only time this, like the time the Sixers were up there in, at least from what I recall in, in my lifetime, though, though the Iverson team, um, mm -hmm. and that was really one year. And then, uh, you know, other years they're in the playoffs, but not as good. That's when they were just like, all right, this is, this is the team right now. Everyone's in love with this team, but that was a uniqueness of a player, a team, a connection to the city, like such an easy guy. Um, you know, just every regular season game, you're just like, I gotta see what this guy's going to do today. Um, and then the Phillies, I think are more, it depends on the performance. And that's not me saying anyone's a front runner or bandwagon. It's the nature of baseball. If your team sucks, like July 26th, you really want to sit down for two hours and 40 minutes now. I almost said three hours, two hours and 40 minutes and watch that team. Like, no, it's just not going to happen. So that's just kind of like football. You're going to be invested in every game and your team is probably not going to be out of it, even if they stink until late in the season now with the additional playoff team. So, um, Phillies, when they're good, it's fantastic. Like they, they're certainly, you know, more popular, way more popular now than they were three, four years ago, eight, nine years ago, yeah. whatever you want to say. But yeah, um, yeah it's still going to be Eagles are going to be number one.
And it's funny because the Phillies have the craziest playoff drought too. Like it's not like right. You know, they're, they're just becoming, if you would ask like, that question during that, it would have been they. No one would have said the Phillies, right? Right. Like I'm talking yeah. like Mikel Franco days and and yeah, you know Freddie Galvis dudes like that. Like, now you had yeah. a nice Flyers jacket on last. Oh night, yeah, yeah, and we got to give man. a shout out to Scott uh, who is. Who, who works for the Flyers. Okay. So loyal listener, Scott. Okay. Uh, chef for the Flyers. Cause he's, you know, he's pulling some strings to try to get us in, <laughs> into the Flyers uh, a little bit more. So who knows what's going to happen here in the months ahead, but that was a nice looking jacket you had on. Hey man, tell Scotty, we, we want to go down to Wells Fargo. We want to check out the Flyers. We check out our boys. We want to give them a little bit of love here too. We don't give them enough love. Love the Flyers. I've always been a fan of the Flyers. So I don't actually sit here and joke about them when we say like, hey, what are the Flyers doing? We're not joking. I actually really care about the Flyers when I do say that. Um, but yeah, no, shout out to the Flyers. Shout out to Scott. But that jacket, I actually found that on, um, I think I found it on eBay for, you know, well under market. So I thought it was like the Flyers jacket oh, I've ever seen see? in my life. You know, I like a yeah. deal. Now I'm yeah. I like it even more. Okay. I think, to be honest with you, show I actually think the Flyers got the best apparel out of the four major teams in the city. Oh, we're saving yeah. that for the next episode. <laughs> we're saving that for a future episode. I, I like think the orange, that orange black scheme is, is. All nuts. right, hold on. Say yeah. no more. We're, we're doing a whole segment on that. Now that is a great topic. I might have to get on our boy, uh, Bounty Bowl. We'll tell okay. people know what I'm talking about. You know, he, he, he's got the, mar- he's all about, he's had the merch corner, uh, you know, more merch Island cornered for years. So we'll, we can't talk about it without getting his opinion on it. So we'll have to do that. I for like sure. that. Okay, listen, we're going to have some slow shows ahead. <laughs> if Embiid's out and the Eagles have, aren't signing it, like there, there's going to be some shows we yeah. need to fill. And it looks like so the Phillies will be making any big splash either. So it's like. Haven't so far, but Hey. Uh, spring trainings around the corner. So there we go. We'll be talking. There we go. Feelings. All right. That will do it for the, oh, no, you know what? I had one que- one life question I had to throw your way, Cliff. What up? Uh, all right. So uh, you're, you know, you're still getting the workouts in 6 a.m. You told me, doesn't matter if you go to sleep at 2 a.m. You're still able to get up, go to the gym. I said, it must be nice to be young. You can't do that at my age. But I saw a guy, Cliff, wearing a, it was like a, a quarter zip type you know, like workout thing, which is yeah. fine. But my guy had no shirt underneath the <laughs> chest. And he had it unzipped. The chest hair just flowing <laughs> as he's walking from treadmill to bench. And I was and I'm looking at him going like, do I think this is bad? Or do I, am I like, this is something I need. He was probably in his sixties. I was okay. like, is this something I need to aspire to later in my life? What, what do you think about that? Look, quarter zip, nothing underneath. I mean, he was in good shape. Listen, the guy's been, <laughs> been going to the gym. I'll give him credit. But yeah. just the chest, I mean, wow. What a look. I hadn't it, seen that one before. Was it like Kramer levels of like hair popping out of his <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, it wasn't nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it, it, some gray, I would say grayish chest hairs, you know. Again, I got you. Older, but but yeah, no, it, yeah, you know, it was it was there. It, it was there for sure. I'll say this. If you pass a certain age, like the OGs that be going to the gym, yo, Ain't no rules for y'all, man. Just, Anything goes. Just rock out. Yeah, as long as y'all just getting y'all a little 60 minutes in a day or 30 minutes, whatever you do, just rock out, go in there. Just don't be in people's way. Don't go too <laughs> crazy. Just get the workout in. Make sure you're good. Get your steps in. You know, get the Apple Watch going. Get the protein <laughs> afterwards. Make sure the bones are strong. I don't really judge the OGs like that when they go into the gym, man, because 
They just trying to get get something in real quick. They just trying to get that moving in their body. You I know agree. what I'm saying? It's great. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. People so, are probably looking at me like, "Who's this old guy? You know, what's he doing?" No, uh, nah, yeah, hey, so. you look young and spry, man. Don't 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 <laughs> listen. Stop lying to the people of Philadelphia. You look young and spry, man. When I saw you last time, I was like, "Yo, he Solak was right. He was kind of you know what I mean kind of kind of built up a little bit." So yeah, no, nah, don't don't act like you don't you don't All be right. getting it in, man. So well, you know, I appreciate you keep that. lying to the people about that. Thank you very. Maybe it only translates in person. You know, on screen it doesn't really translate. All right. So uh, listen, if you have, if you have a thought on that, call in. Call yeah. in. Leave a, leave a voicemail. If you I really want to get people's takes on that Phillies um, on that Phillies Eagles discussion too. Yo, two one five three one five seven nine eight two. I I just thought it was utterly ridiculous that people would ever put the Phillies over the Eagles. I, yeah. t- to me, that's just wild. There you go. All right. So chime in with that. All right. We will have shows next week from. Vegas from the Super Bowl. Solak and I will be there. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out if Solak has time to come on, if we could do in guests. There will be other Eagles writers uh, in Vegas. Maybe we'll pull some of them on. Maybe we'll get some buzz, some rumory stuff going. Maybe there will be actual news with some of the teams, and we'll see what happens with everyone else. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. Thank you to Cliff, and we'll talk to you next week on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.